Welcome to Work Your Way Up, a podcast channel for everyone thriving and striving to climb up the corporate ladder. You'll hear about the wins, challenges, what ifs, and could have beens of people coming from different career paths. Join Angel as she shares insights from guests and from her own corporate adventure. If you're ready to take your career to the next level, let's get started. Hi everyone, it's Angel here and welcome to Work Your Way Up, the right place where young leaders and aspiring leaders go to for actionable tips and insights on career management and progression. If you're here to know more about what you can do to climb up the ladder, be it by managing your boss or clients, managing colleagues or your own self, then you have come to the right place. How are you guys? How is everyone doing right now? I'm not sure what is the current situation in your area, but as for me, everything is back to how it was a few months ago. So we are again on strict lockdown and only one person is allowed. Only one person per household is allowed to go out to run errands. That means that that's an extension for me to stay at home again. However, I prefer to remain hopeful and positive amidst this pandemic because I am very certain that we can all make it. As we wait for everything to go back to how it was before, let us just spend as much quality time as possible with our loved ones or our family and also just make use and enjoy just make use of social media and enjoy social media and the internet or technology attend a lot of webinars watch movies all those sort of things speaking of which speaking of social media a few days ago i think that was last week or 2 weeks ago i saw a post on facebook and a lot of my friends have shared this post it was a question And then what my friends did was they've shared it and then they have also included their own answer to that question. It actually sparked inspiration to a lot of people. I think that was the main intention of the person who first posted that. And that Facebook post, the question was, how much was your first salary? What I did was I also shared that post and shared with my friends as well how much I was earning on my first job. So I can vividly remember that the first time I got a job was 10 years ago. I was still a college student at that time and I had to help my mom pay for my tuition fees in college because our income as a family was really really low. Although I was enrolled in a state university, that means our tuition fees are really very low compared to the usual universities in the area. But it was still the income of the family wasn't still enough, and so I had to find another source of income that could help me and my mother pay for my tuition fees. So at that time, the industry of freelancing or online jobs have started to increase or to gain traction. It wasn't that popular yet in our world, like in my world, not a lot of the people I know know about it. But it has started to gain traction, and people are starting to know about it. I remember that prior to me knowing about freelancing and online jobs, what people used to do if they have to earn a side income was to apply as a crew on fast food chains. But during my time, I thought it's not really my strength to work inside a fast food chain because. 
I am not so used to physical labor, if you know what I mean. Although I am very passionate in anything related to computer. Like if you ask me to work 24 hours on something that will make me use the computer and the internet and the technology, I'm completely fine with that. But anything that have to do with physical labor, I'm kind of, I kind of struggle with that. I don't know why. Anyway, so at that time, I discovered about a freelancing or online job. Now, the problem was I don't have any computer or laptop, but I know that I badly need a job. So what I did was I borrowed a laptop from a friend and then asked him if I can use it for one week. Because in my head, what I intend to do was to dedicate that one week, that seven days, into submitting as many applications as I can so I can find a job. Once I get a job, I could try to negotiate with a boss or anything like that, or maybe just save all the money that I can get from that job to buy a new computer so I can have my own. So I did exactly that. I borrowed a laptop. I submitted as many applications as I can. I I remember that I woke up as early as 5 a.m. around that time just to submit my applications because that's usually afternoon or evening, early evening in the U.S. And at that time, majority of the clients who are looking for freelancers are from the U.S. After a few days, I think that was after four or five days, someone offered me a job. Yay! I was really so excited. I was so ecstatic. And the offer was $100 in a month and I have to work 20 hours a week. So that's a total of 80 hours in a month. Now, $100 in Philippine peso, because I'm from the Philippines, is around 4,000. At that time, it was around 4,000 to 4,500 pesos. That amount is not that big, but for a student like me at that time, it was already a good starting point. It was already a decent income because then it could cover my allowance for the entire month or even more. Like I can also buy or pay for my for any projects I have at school or maybe buy books or anything like that. But it was low if you compare it to the usual rate of people at that time, of those people who are doing freelance jobs. What they would normally earn was around $100 per week. For me, I was only offered $100 per month, but I grabbed it. You know why? Because I don't really have an experience. I mean, there's really nothing at that time. There's nothing that I can bring into the table or or at least how I thought about it. I don't think that there is a value that I can give to the company because I still don't know anything. Like if you ask me anything about school or maybe if you ask me to do reporting or PowerPoint presentation, maybe I can do something about it. But that job was related to digital marketing and I have zero knowledge to it. And so I knew that because I have zero experience on the field, I have to compromise on the income. And also at that time, I believe in the saying that whenever you get a job, you are always paid either by cash or experience. So what it means is there are moments when you have to compromise on either of the two in order to gain either of the two. So for example, there are times when there are opportunities or offers when you have to compromise on the cash because you want to gain experience. But that job was very memorable to me, not only because that was the very first time I earned an income, but also because that the type of boss that I was working with at that time taught me a lot about 
persistence and not because he was coaching me or mentoring me, but it was because he was such a difficult boss in a sense that during my working hours, four hours a day, I wasn't allowed to do anything except to just work and stare at the monitor. For four hours, I was only given five minutes of pee break. Other than that, he's expecting me to just stare at the monitor and work. If there are instances, there were instances actually, when I would look around, let's say I would look at my brother passing by, although he can't see him because he also asked me to turn on my webcam. So even if he can't see my brother, but I would look at my brother, he would then call me out and ask me if I'm working because I'm not looking at my monitor. So it was, he was that strict and I had to be so stiff and just focus on working. It taught me to persevere because even if I was working with a difficult boss and in a very difficult situation, I know that I need the money and so I just had to deal with it. That has been kind of my mantra ever since. After that, I think I only stayed in that job for a month or two. I only used it as a starting point and then afterwards I knew that I had to look for better opportunities. But that has really become my mantra ever since that indeed, whenever you find an opportunity or you find a job, sometimes if you're not paid well by cash, maybe you are paid well by experience. To be really honest, based on the years that I have been working, I know I have fully understood the importance of, I have fully embraced the importance of experience over cash because experience can take you a lot further. When you have a lot of experience, when you have learned a lot of lessons, when you were exposed to different things, companies eventually would come looking for you and they would come find you because companies love people who have vast experience. Now, in the midst of this pandemic, this crisis that we are all experiencing right now, I understand that millions of people have lost their jobs. And not only that, a lot of companies are also closing down. A lot of them are declaring bankruptcy because of, because of everything that is going on in the world. There are also very specific situations wherein a company doesn't really completely close down. Instead, what they do is they reduce their number of employees or workforce in order to save on the operating costs. Now, if this is something that your company is going through at the moment, you have to understand the very important factor that plays around here, especially at the back of the owner or the management's mind in doing or implementing this strategy. And that is if they have, let's say, 100 people and they can only retain 50 employees, you have to understand that these people, the people behind the decision-making process are looking at different factors to determine who are the employees that they can let go and who are the employees that must stay. So what does it mean for you? It means that you have to understand what these factors are and to make sure that you have it in you, that you have embraced it in order to protect your job or your income. Now, I'm not really sure whatever situation you are in right now, whether you still have a job, you've just recently lost your job. If you do, I'm really sorry. But this information, this uh, topic that we are about to discuss today, this is something that is really good to have at the back of your head because layoffs can happen anytime. 
unfortunately, we're seeing a huge number of layoffs around this time because of the pandemic. But certain things like this could happen anytime, even a normal quote-unquote normal days or normal years because companies go through different struggles and challenges regardless if it's a crisis or it's just a company-wide situation or it's just a an area-wide situation. Any company can go through that and any company can be on a situation wherein they have to choose who are the employees that they can continue working with. And so if ever this happens in the future with you or if it happens now, or it already happened, it is good for you to understand these factors so that you can protect your job in the future. And so based on the cover photo of today's episode, our topic is to become indispensable. What are the things that we have to do in order to make ourselves indispensable? What makes an employee indispensable? I feel that this topic is very timely and relevant today. But before anything else, let's have a clear definition of indispensable. I know that a lot of you already understand it. I mean, it's a very common word and we often use it in a lot of our conversations. But just to be on the same page, indispensable means anything that is absolutely necessary. Meaning what we are about to discuss today is how do we make ourselves as empowered followers absolutely necessary in an organization or for our company or employer. So we have four talking points for today. First are how employers consider who stays or who goes. Second, the two ways to become indispensable. Third is the definition of each. And then fourth is out of those two ways to become indispensable, there is actually one that is very sustainable and something that can't really change even through time. And which is also something that all of us empowered followers must start to embrace or must fully embrace in order to protect our job. And that is one thing that we will be talking about. We'll have a deep dive discussion on that specific factor or way in order to secure our income. So without any further ado, let's get started. Because today's episode is going to be jam-packed with a lot of information and discussion, we are going to dive right into it without much delay, okay? So the first thing I have here are the four factors that employers use to determine the employees that could stay working in the company and employees who must go. Again, this is in the premise that the company is currently assessing or there is a need for the company to reduce the number of employees or workforce. So the four factors that most companies use as a basis in making this decision are the following. First one is skills. I think this one is very obvious. A lot of companies would judge who can stay and who can go based on the skills that they can offer or they have. Other companies even base it on the diversity of skills of the employees. So, for example, if you are to compare one employee who knows how to make great Excel reports versus someone who knows how to make great Excel reports, who understands a bit of coding and who can provide technical support during a certain situation wherein the company has to cut down the employees, 
obviously based on skills, the company would choose someone who has more diverse skill sets than someone with only one expertise. So that is one factor that employers use to determine who would stay and who would go. The second one is value. Now, value is intangible. Technically, it means anything that you can bring to the table, right? A contribution that you can make or you can give to the company. It doesn't have to be a specific technical or hard skill. Instead, value is more like the soft skill or the things that you do or you're really good at based on how you deal with people, how you think, your initiative, how solutions-oriented are you, you know, things like that. The output of value isn't direct, like you can't see it right away, but you can see it working in the back end. For example, if someone is really good or great at communicating, you can't really see a direct output out from it, right? But what you can find is that this person can have excellent relationship with customers or clients. It's so excellent that you would notice customers or clients coming back to your company or to your business because they enjoy chatting with that person. So something like that. Value is something like that. So that is a second factor that companies use to determine who would go and who would stay. The third factor is rate. Now, obviously, because the employer is trying to cut down costs, there are instances wherein they would use rate or the different salaries of employees they have as a basis to determine who can stay with them. So for example, if they have to compare employee one and employee two, employee one only receives 15,000 and employee two receives 35,000, depending on the skill sets and what they can get from employee one, there might be instances wherein they would opt for employee one, especially if the things that they want to be covered is something that they can train employee one for. Because they're trying to cut down costs, they might be tempted or enticed to let go of employee two, considering that they are paying a higher salary to this employee. The fourth factor that companies consider during this challenging time is relationship. Now, we have to be very honest about this. No matter how much we try to make things objective in an organization, there would always be subjectivity in there. As in, there would always be a factor of emotion and relationship. We can't completely remove that out from the equation. So what I'm trying to say is, when an employer is trying to choose between employees, relationship also plays a factor in there. Because if they have to cut down or to only choose five employees who would continue working for them, of course, they would prioritize those employees that they have great working relationship with. Otherwise, it would be extremely difficult or challenging for them to manage people, the very few employees that are still in the company who don't really have a good relationship with them, right? And so what they have to consider here is that every single person who stays in the company are people that are great working with or people that they have a good rapport with. And so relationship is a huge factor here in their decision making. So those are the four factors, the skill, the value, the rate, and the relationships. However, out of these four, two of them, which are the rate and the relationships, are considered to be very volatile. 
meaning they can change anytime and both aren't really that stable or firm when it comes to being used as a basis for the employers in making their decision. The other two remaining, the skill and the value, are the two that are widely, widely used by most employers around the world when it comes to their decision-making process. So again, those two are the skill and the value. The technical definition of a skill is it is someone's ability to do something really well or it is something that a person is an expert on. So it involves expertise, whether that's creating reports from Excel or creating Microsoft PowerPoint presentation or doing forecasting or doing coding or technical support, anything like that. Those are considered skills. Now, the thing with skill is when there is scarcity, it embraces the law of supply and demand, right? So when there are very few people who knows about that specific skill, a lot of company would definitely come running at you and kind of steal you from your existing employer because there is a high demand for that specific skill, but a very low supply or very small number of people who knows how to do it. This is why what other people would do is to keep themselves updated with the trends of skill sets that are needed by the companies or the multinational companies. Some of the very in-demand technical skills that we can find today are data science, things related to data science, data analyst, even video editing, because you can find a search in a number of creators all around the world. And then we also have programmers, augmented reality, that is one, it's gaining a lot of traction very recently, cloud computing, and a lot of things like that. So what other people do to protect or secure their job is to understand or to keep themselves updated with a trend in technical skills needed by companies. They try to learn one technical skill after the other to make sure that they know the things that these companies are looking for. Value, on the other hand, is the importance or worth or usefulness of something, meaning it is what you can get from that person. It doesn't have to be a specific technical skill. It's more like a holistic approach to things, right? So value is more like a complete package of what you can bring to the table. And its output is often intangible, but you can see the improvement or the change it brings. So for example, initiative, um, being solutions-oriented, or someone's ability to develop people or manage clients or negotiate with clients, those are values. You can't directly see the output from it, but it offers a sense of value or benefit to the company. Okay, so another example, let's say, is someone who really knows how to manage clients. Okay, a person who knows how to communicate with the client, how to make reports to them, how to talk to them when they're in a meeting. You can't really see a direct output every time he or that person sends in a report or that person talks to the client, right? Sometimes it becomes normal. But what happens in the back end is because of this person's ability to manage the clients, you are able to retain most of the clients, you're able to prevent any escalation, you're able to communicate correctly or 
accurately or clearly the things that the client needs to know. And you're also able to negotiate in case the client demands for something that is really outside your control. So, you know, things like that. So that is all about the value. So to make it even clearer, let's paint this hypothetical situation. If we have flour, eggs, and butter, and then we have two people in front of us, one is skill and the other person is value, if we give the set of flour, eggs, and butter to skill, who knows how to bake, for example, he can easily create, he can easily bake breads, cake, any pastries out from that. However, if you give the same set to the value, that person can either have someone do the baking or sell those, that set to people who would need it or partner with someone who knows how to make something else apart from, from a bread. Let's say, for example, make use of the eggs to create delicious omelette. The difference between skill and value is that skill is able to do the work excellently. Value is able to use resources, including physical and intangible ones, in order to be able to create a change or to bring value or benefit to the organization. So it doesn't have to be a specific skill. It could be making use of the people around him or her, the network, the relationship he has or she has with other people. Now, how can you acquire skill and value since these two are important factors to secure your job? Skill is very obvious. You can easily get them through trainings, seminars, books, hands-on experience, and anything like that. You can learn them depending on what you're interested at. Value, on the other hand, is something that you can also learn. You can learn it by having mentors or coaches, by reading books, by exposing yourself to different people, by looking at different training materials, by doing self-assessment, and by making sure that you're able to put it into real-life application. The thing with this too, though, is that both have challenges too, or they have some sort of difficulties in them. With skill, the potential difficulty you can encounter is that the demand for skills could change from time to time depending on what the companies need. So let's say 10 years ago, a lot of people need someone who's really fast at copying and pasting information from PDF file to a Word doc. 10 years after today, that kind of specific skill is now replaced by bots. And so this, the skills change from time to time depending on the the, depending on the progress of technology and also what the companies need around the world. The value, on the other hand, can be difficult because it involves your willingness to change. No one can help you improve your value unless you become comfortable to be uncomfortable, unless you become okay to step out of your comfort zone. Because when you bring in value or holistic value or contribution to the organization, it has to do with a lot of personal growth and development. But what you have to understand is although value is something that can be very painful and uncomfortable, it is sustainable. So this is actually that one specific factor or way that can really help you secure your job in a more sustainable way. As mentioned, skill is good. It is definitely good. But the type of skills needed by the company could change from time to time. Maybe it can't be as often as 
every year, but it does change. Maybe it would change every five years or three years or 10 years. And so you always have to keep yourself updated and you always have to change your skill sets. But with value, value remains the same. The company looks for the same qualities from people that they work with since time immemorial, meaning we all look for the same behavioral pattern or emotional intelligence or emotional capacity from people since we all started working. This is why it is important for you to embrace this factor or to embrace being able to bring in so much value to the table because it is sustainable. It can help you through the years. Now, I understand a lot of people, one of their concerns is sometimes when they work with a multinational companies or any company with at least 100 people or 500 or 1,000 employees, every time they render their resignation, they feel that the company only looks at them as a number because they can easily be replaced. The thing is here, when what you can only offer to the table is plain skill, most often than not, the company can definitely replace you. Maybe your skill can make you stay, but if unless the skill is very specific and very special, oftentimes the company can easily replace you. Why? Because the things that you can do are something that they can document, they can improve, that they can train someone, someone new to do or to work on. And that is the reason why companies can replace people with technical skills. Value, on the other hand, is something that is extra challenging to find in a lot of people because not a lot of people focus on the importance of emotional intelligence, for example, or on the things that they can offer outside their technical skills. Not a lot of people understand that they also have to work on the soft skills or anything that relates to relationships, people development, coaching, mentoring, negotiation, anything like that. Again, because your ability in those areas are something that is intangible, right? You can't directly show it off or you can't directly see the output out from those skill sets, but they can definitely bring in value. And so when people fail to show their ability to handle their emotions, to negotiate, to build relationships, to develop people, some companies think that because what you can only bring into the table is pure technical skills that, are, that is also something that we can get from other employees, then we can easily replace you. And that is why sometimes you would feel that we're just a number for other companies. Today, that will change. And that is the reason why we are talking about it today. Because from today onwards, you would embrace and you would learn exactly how you can bring in more value to the company. How you can have, if, you're, if you already have technical skills, then how you can have value as well. How you can embrace giving in a holistic value or contribution to your employer. And I have here five things that you just have to remember in order to be able or to be considered as a high value employee. So the first thing I have here is growth mindset. Have a growth mindset. What does it mean? I bet this, this isn't the first time that you've heard of this term because a lot of people use it 
today and actually for the past years. So a growth mindset, as proposed by a Stanford professor, Carol Dweck, describes a growth mindset as those people who believe that their success depends on time and effort. So these people, with the, the people with growth mindset, feel their skills and intelligence can be improved with effort and persistence. They embrace challenges, they persist through obstacles, they learn from criticism, and seek out inspiration in others' success. So what these people normally do is because they focus so much on growth, they feel that every single thing that happens in their life is something that can contribute to their growth. So instead of looking at an unfortunate event that occurred in their life and feel pity about it or feel bad about it, what they do is they try to look at the silver lining or the bright side of why it happened or why it has to happen. And the thing about it is when you focus on the bright side or you try to look at what are the advantages or the things that the good things that you can get out from that situation, you also embrace your chance to grow because you don't dwell on the negative things. The second thing that you have to do if you want to be a high-value employee is self-leadership. Now, for the past episodes, for the past weeks, when we were talking about the different types of bosses and how you're able to manage them, when you're able to fully embrace and acknowledge and be willing to understand and apply those tips to your real-life situations in the office, you are already considered as someone with this skill, with this ability. You're already trying to lead yourself. Self-leadership is the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, feeling, and actions towards your objectives. The term self-leadership was first used by Charles Manns in 1983, and he defined it as a comprehensive self-influence perspective that concerns leading oneself. This means that Instead of depending too much on people who would guide us, who would mentor us, who would motivate us, we instead depend on ourselves. Let's say, for example, inside the workplace. If there are things that worry us, let's say a project or a deliverable that we have to complete, and we notice that we need to send in updates or to get feedback from our boss. However, our boss doesn't seem to care or doesn't really ask for updates from us or doesn't initiate meetings. Instead of waiting for the boss to take the initiative and set up meetings so you can talk about the progress of the project or the deliverable, a person with self-leadership would take the charge instead or would take the lead and initiate having that meeting. You don't have to continuously depend on your boss and wait for your boss to do things that you think are really important and necessary. If you think that something must be done and something must be reviewed and something must be checked by your boss, then you take the initiative. A person with that type of trait is someone that is able to lead himself or herself. That is why self-leadership is very important. The third factor is resourcefulness. Resourcefulness can also help you become a high-value employee. Why? Because resourcefulness is your ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties using the things around you, whether like literal things or people or network or anything that you can use to improve or change the situation or to address whatever problem you are currently facing. 
Resourcefulness is not waiting on someone to help you out. It's you thinking about everything you have and making use of those in order to change the situation. And I think that is a very straightforward and very self-explanatory term. And so we have to move on to the fourth factor, and that is resilience. Now, I have shared this in a lot of my episodes, how important resilience is. And I always try to also share it with my own team members because I find that a lot of people kind of forget to be resilient, especially on very trying times. And I understand that here and there, we could have our own meltdowns, right? Or breakdowns. There are instances wherein we just find ourselves in the middle of a rabbit hole and we find and we feel hopeless. What you have to remember, though, is regardless of how difficult the situation is, there is always a way out. You can definitely find a light at the end of the tunnel if you just continue hanging in there and you just continue pushing and you just continue resolving whatever problem you are in right now or you are facing whatever problem you are facing. Resilience is the psychological quality that allows people to be knocked down by the adversities of life and come back at least as strong as before. Resilience is all about not being discouraged by the struggles that you have to go through or you went through. Resilience is looking at every obstacle more like a conquest that you have to overcome. So if, if you're into games, it's more like the missions that you have to complete. Yes, they may be difficult, but you understand that they're part of it. Being resilient is the ability to understand that if you want to succeed, you can't expect success to come in in a very easy manner. Success comes in with a lot of obstacles. You have to overcome a lot of mountains. Sometimes those mountains involve people around you or even your own self. And so you have to always be resilient. And the last factor here is emotional intelligence, which is also something that I have shared with you in the past, guys. As you know, a lot of companies now really look for people with very high emotional intelligence. And I have told you before that even some employees or professionals now get promoted faster than the rest because of their high emotional intelligence. That's how much companies look for this specific ability or value in an employee. Emotional intelligence is so important for a lot of factors. And one of it really is one's ability to deal with different people. For example, if you oversee 15 team members, each one of them can have different personalities, dif different strengths and weaknesses, and only someone with a really high emotional intelligence can deal and manage them. This is why a lot of companies use this as one of the most important factors in choosing their leaders. And so to recap, how you can make yourself as a high-value employee in order to protect or secure your job is to make sure that you have embraced these five important values, which are the following. First is a growth mindset. Second is self-leadership. Third is resourcefulness. Fourth is resilience. And fifth is emotional intelligence. Going back to our example earlier, wherein if a company has to choose between employees, let's say if the company has 10 employees and they only have to retain or they can only afford to retain five employees, 
When the employer starts to look at every single employee that they have, they would look for people that they can consider as a high-value employee because, number one, they would feel that a high-value employee is someone who's ready to take on any role or any task. Someone who doesn't limit the things that he or she can do based on experience or based on what he or she knows. What I mean is, if you ask this person to do something that he has really no knowledge about, this person would still be willing to do it and be willing to learn about it, even if it means just doing Google search or just learning about it on his or her own. Another benefit from a company's perspective to work with a high-value employee is that this type of person embraces the company like its own, meaning this person would be very confident in initiating projects or streamlining processes or initiating any activity that could help improve the business as a whole. And you know what? I could go on and on and on for the entire day to tell you and share with you the things, the good things, the great things even, that a high-value employee can bring into the table. This is why employers would always choose a high-value employee in a snap. And so if you are someone who wants to protect or secure your job or your source of income at all costs, then make sure that you can consider yourself as a high value employee. Make sure that you have those five factors that can make every employer or every business organization out there think that you are someone indispensable that you are someone that they extremely, extremely need, that the organization can get so much from you, even if you don't have specific technical skills, because they know that you're resilient, you're resourceful, you have a growth mindset, you're willing to learn, you have high emotional intelligence, and because you can lead your own self. If you find this discussion extremely valuable and you want to make sure that you are updated with everything that I share, especially on social media, feel free to follow me on Instagram. That's workyourway underscore up. Or you can also search for workyourwayup on Facebook. Also, if you want to help me spread the message and help as many people as possible out there, please make a time to leave a feedback on Apple Podcasts in order for this podcast to reach to as many people as possible. Not only can we help many people out there who might be needing some guidance in managing their career, but it can also help me continue creating content for you guys. And lastly, if this is your first time listening to this podcast and you feel that you can get a lot of value from me and from the things that I discuss here, don't forget to subscribe or follow this channel, whether on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other platform, so you don't miss out on new episodes. And for next week's episode, we are going to be with a really amazing career coach who will be sharing with us a lot of insights and tips to survive or thrive in this pandemic or this crisis. This woman's track record would really impress you. She is an executive and the SVP of a marketing of a software that works for nonprofits. And apart from that, she's an author, she's a career coach, and I really find that you can learn a lot from her. 
So make sure that you stay tuned for next week's episode because she is also giving out a free ebook that we can all download. So I can't wait for it. Anyway, to wrap up today's discussion, I would like to leave you with this quote. Whatever job you take on, make yourself valuable and then indispensable. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone, and see you all next time.